Welcome to VR Hermits, a podcast about virtual reality development. I'm Dave Ramsey. And I'm Joe Simpson. Let's get started. I did a, I did just enough Monday and Tuesday to feel like I wasn't making any progress and decided, hey, vacation starts right now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, figure, figure why waste a week of spinning my wheels when I can waste a week playing video games. Hey, you're you're a video game developer now. Playing video games is research. Yep, I can I can see that. It definitely has changed the way that I play video games because I'm just constantly evaluating everything. Mm-hmm. Both from a stylistic standpoint, also just from user experience and like how menus are laid out and how controls are and inputs and what's the most efficient way and what's the most pleasant way things like that kind of breaks the metaphor in a lot of games because I'm like wait a second there's a story here (laughs) (laughs) yeah I had that problem for a long time with movies where Mm -hmm. something would happen in the movie and I would stop watching the movie and I would start watching the director behind the camera shooting the movie yeah. And it's really hard to get back into the movie at that point. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> so you had a sudden vacation start. So aside yeah. from video games, how are you spending your time? Um basically I got a copy of uh Final Fantasy twelve the re-release for PS4 about a week ago, and I've been playing that and listening to podcasts. And uh, Overcast is my podcast player of choice, and I've always listened to podcasts at a little bit more than 1x. Um, I've always used the smart speed feature, which cuts out white noise and pauses and stuff like that in between sentences. Um, And then recently, Marco added a 3x modifier it actually i think the scale goes all the way up to 3.25 so if i max that out and then turn on smart speed i'm getting about 4x speed it kind of fluctuates <laughs> a little bit like between 3.67 and 4.03 is my speed modifier and so i've been using that to listen to hundreds of episodes of vr podcast from the last five years or so um from about two dozen different series and uh i think i'm yeah i'm all the way into september 2016 so i'm almost caught up i've only got 306 episodes left (laughs) (laughs) okay so i gotta warn you when you finish the last one i am absolutely going to ask you joe so what does it all mean yeah well that's the thing i'll never finish the last one because I may listen to five episodes today, but there'll be three or four more episodes. So it'll be, by the time I get caught up with these 300 episodes, another 100 episodes will have come out. You can suggest that that is a ameliorating factor, but that's really not going to stop me from asking the question. Yeah, but I'm, I'm getting caught up. I want to get to the point where I'm current on most of these shows. And, uh, There's a couple more I haven't even put into the queue yet that I'll kind of backfill later. Um, 
but yeah, just tons. I, I do this every time I get into a new topic is just overload myself with both written word and spoken word resources as much as possible. I spend a lot of time walking. So podcasts suit me very well. I take, you know, around two hours a day of my time is just spent walking around the neighborhood more in the wintertime. Because so, yeah, you're pod- crazy. Yeah, I guess. I much prefer the cold weather that to this 90 degree humid stuff that we have now. So yeah, at one point, actually not at one point, for about two days <laughs> so far this week, I um, the Final Fantasy XII remake has a 4X modifier where you can ramp up the gameplay to 4X speed as well. And I wouldn't play the entire game that way, but when you're just grinding and leveling up or trying to make some extra money, it's perfect. So that plus listening to podcasts at 4X, I'm just like sitting there on the couch, relaxing as hard as I can. <laughs> Relax faster, Joe. Uh-huh. And at one point, I uh, I paused the podcast and started playing the Benny Hill theme with the 4X video game, which was about 20 minutes of just me laughing more than I should have on my own. I think I like woke my neighbor up. <laughs> Good old yakety sacks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I spent most of my time this week. I played a couple of VR games today. I had some family over and uh, had some new VR guinea pigs. Um, you know, made made somebody walk the plank, stuff like that. But yeah, it's been. I think I I worked a couple days Monday and Tuesday. Um, Monday, obviously editing the podcast and doing some stuff for that, and then working in. Maya and Unreal Engine a little bit on the part of my game that will replace the motion controllers. And uh, I got a, I found a very old template from 2008 for something that's very similar to what I, what I want to make. It was in Maya. There was a 3D Max version as well. And I opened that in Maya and it did kind of a, a conversion in place type thing. And didn't get everything 100%. There's a couple things about it that aren't working with the animations. But it's enough for me to kind of see all the pieces together in one place to kind of backward engineer my own solution. So I've started playing with different versions of that and was able to get a very, very basic version of that moved into Unreal Engine as a skeletal mesh and start playing around with it. I haven't actually got the animations working in Unreal Engine yet, but I kind of, because of that speed run course I did the week before last, I've, I kind of know the big areas that I need to focus on. I don't really know how to do it all yet, but I know which parts of Unreal Engine to go to, to start finding this mm-hmm. stuff out. And it's going to take some time. Um, fortunately, the game's not full of animations. There's going to be some animations for, the enemy characters, but I think I can use some of the stuff that Unreal Engine provides for those because they're going to be kind of humanoid type characters. So it's really just inventing the animations for this one thing, and then the rest of it's just going to be level design, and then finally get into code from there to actually doing game logic, which I'm really enjoying this design part and playing with 
you know the level editor, but I do just want to write code. It's been, it seems like it's been a couple of weeks since I've just spent an entire day in a text editor. Yeah. So this uh, Final Fantasy game is kind of a special game to you, yeah? Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, I mean, I've liked the entire series. This one in particular, um, I particularly like it. I don't really know why other than it's just, it's got a really good story. The environments are really well done. Um, it's kind of a big game. Like everything just feels big. The world feels big. There's a lot to explore and just a lot of detail. And, uh, but it was, it wasn't a very popular Final Fantasy game, at least in my experience. A lot of my friends at the time thought it was like the worst game ever when it came out. But, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. The first couple times I played it and I'm enjoying the remake, they did a really good job with bringing the assets forward for HD resolutions. And they also, you know, redid the soundtrack. Um, it's the same soundtrack, but they re-recorded it with an orchestra. So things like that, like really classed it up a, a bit. And then uh, they, the original game used this, um, this licensing system. It had a job system, but it basically the job system was open enough that towards the end of a game, all the characters could have all the jobs and be good at everything. So there really wasn't any specialization, but this version has it much more limited where you pick a job and that's the character's job. They can have another one later on, but they can never have more than two and they can't change. So it makes you think a little bit more from very early in the game of like, what do you want this character's role to be throughout the entire game? So you know, a bit more challenging and a bit more fun, I think. Cool. Well, I have to admit that I've actually never played any of the Final Fantasy games. So yeah. I'm kind of weird that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird how people miss entire franchises. Like, I've never pokemon anything at all. <laughs> never played any of the games or seen the anime or nothing whatsoever and and you could catch so many pokemon on your daily walks i know in fact there uh i think there was some pokemon release thing today like they unleashed a whole bunch of new characters or something Mm -hmm. because earlier at the park nearby there were hundreds of people really out out of their phones yeah huh well maybe i'll do it while i'm traveling Like, I caught, like, 30 Pokemon between Mm. the airport and the hotel in Vegas. Nice. Just as the cab driver's driving along, I'm just lobbing balls as fast as I can to catch these Pokemon that are just here, there, and everywhere. So it was kind of fun. Yeah. And then I came home and never played again, because, boy, there are not a lot of Pokemon in Delaware, Ohio. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's a great game concept. I know several friends that have been playing Ingress for years, which is the the original mm-hmm. game behind this framework from Niantic. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's just a cool concept. They did a really good job with it and good for them, you know, actually taking their original concept and making some money off of it. They certainly deserved it. And people were having fun. I know there's a lot of criticism, you know, people making fun of people playing Pokemon Go all the time. But as far as I'm concerned, it's getting people out of the house. People are talking mm-hmm. to each other, having fun. Like, 
what's wrong with that? Nothing at all from what I can see. Yeah, it was a little bit like a healthy version of smoking. Now, yeah. now bear with me here, because when smokers like stand outside a building, all the smokers are in kind of one little family. Like, we all smoke, we're all dealing with the same thing. I don't smoke anymore, but when you're one of those smokers. Um, and... You know, there's a there's a community around that, and so until proven otherwise, all smokers are your friends. Um, and the number of times as I was walking around playing Pokemon that somebody saw me and they didn't go, "Gosh, you're walking around staring at your phone." It was, "Ooh, did you catch anything cool?" That's mm-hmm. kind of neat, particularly for somebody who's relatively asocial. So, yeah. For me, it's just kind of fun to walk up to some 50-year-old in the park and say, you kids and your technology, can't you just enjoy the world? <laughs> I've done that at least 10 times. <laughs> awesome. Payback. <laughs> So yeah, on my end, not a lot of VR stuff this week. Um, like I was saying, I made it made it through Monday and Tuesday, but I wasn't really getting a lot of quality work done. I worked for a couple hours Wednesday morning, and then uh, decided, you know, I can spend another two and a half days doing low quality work, or I could spend another two and a half days tacked on my vacation, playing video games and listening to podcasts and watching movies. So that's what I decided to do. So it was kind of weird waking up Thursday for the first time in two years with like no routine to go through. I'm a very routine person. So and I woke up and I'm like, aside from having coffee, what, do, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And it just <clears throat> took, took me about an hour of just sitting around before it was like, Hey, coffee and video games. That sounds like a good combination. I did that for a while. And then, uh, yeah, I think I pretty much spent all of Thursday up until Cough Mug playing games. And then most of Friday, today, hung out with family. And then uh, I've got four days until I'm heading out of town for a couple of days. And then, uh, yeah, I just have lots of nothing to accomplish this week. I, I still went through my regular weekly review process that I do every Saturday morning. And uh, part of that process is planning the following week. And I have a little document that I fill out and kind of helps me organize what I'm going to do and scheduling, things like that. And I filled that out this morning and it was basically just, nope, nope, (laughs) nope. (laughs) Next week. Nope. Just lots of one word answers. So yeah, it's kind of fun. This whole vacation thing. And you're not on vacation, but you are on your way out of town. Yeah, so the FileMaker Developer Conference is next week. And it's my, since since my day job is producing a tool for FileMaker developers, this is a big week for me. Mm -hmm. But it is utterly unrelated to VR. Lots of code. No VR going on. Mm -hmm. Um. I did have a tangentially related problem related to version control. 
Okay. Uh, it'll require a little bit of background. So <clears throat> for a long time, my version control was basically kind of like one. There was always one branch. It was just one straight line where I would just do something and then commit that and then add something else and commit that. And, and it was always just in one line. Mm-hmm. And that worked for quite a while, but if I was adding something that I wasn't ready to release yet, I then had to add in a little bit of code or something like that to obscure it. But in general, it worked relatively well up until the point that I wanted to add a humongous feature that might touch in a lot of different spots. For example, when FileMaker 16 was going to be coming out, there were about a hundred changes that were scattered all over the course of my entire application columns here and behaviors here and adjustments here and, and just things all over the place and trying to keep all of those separate was going to be a nightmare in the one branch. Mm-hmm. So I needed a separate branch for that. Well, once I started doing that and I had previously started earlier than that with other branches I was making these little branches and I would make a branch for a feature. And then when the feature was ready to go, I'd merge it back in. And in my head, I'm getting closer to where version control is supposed to be. And then there's little like check boxes that you can hit that basically just do the commit like fast. You just like merge and it just merges. And there's no error messages and things like that. And it's all working great. And I think I'm doing okay. And I discovered yesterday that in one of my commits, basically when I did when I merged in all the FileMaker 16 changes, it stomped on a change made in an earlier version. It rolled it back. Oh, okay. Now it wasn't necessarily silently. There was a message in the error log that there was a conflict, but because I was doing these fast merges, they didn't raise a dialogue or anything. It just kind of went, well, you know what you're doing and Mm -hmm. moved on. And what was crazy was it cleanly excised this one patch and rolled over it. It just happened to be where it was. And, the kind of change that it was made, but that one little feature just disappeared. And I didn't notice it was gone. (laughs) Was this in Swift or C sharp? Interestingly enough, it did the exact same thing for both. So my Mac and windows versions, both had the exact same conflict, even though they're on separate code bases. That's weird. Yes. Um, so I'm prepping my slides for a presentation to give at the FileMaker developer conference. And I'm like, Ooh, I added that feature. We should talk about that. And everything that I'm doing to like set up demo files is not working. Like, Oh gosh, I've got a bug. What's going on. I start digging into it. And it's the fact that the code's just gone. So first problem, I've got a regression. Bugs that were previously fixed are now unfixed. Mm. Second problem. Now I have to go back through all those other merges and find out what else this may have happened to. Oh, fun. 
Now, it turns out that there aren't that many of them because for the most part, I've been working with large features, not really small ones. But that took a few hours going back through the previous merges and making sure that everything that I had meant to merge in was there and nothing else was removed. But the third tier of the problem is now my confidence is a little blown. Like I had just gotten to the point where I was, I, I felt like I had a good, a good firm grasp on not necessarily the entirety of version control, but at least this small section that I had chosen to use. It's like I, the parts that I have selected are working well for me and everything is okay. And now that's blown. Hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do this and then we'll, I don't know, look at it and see if it actually worked. There's a spot in my head that goes, if I had better unit testing, I probably would have caught this. But there's another spot in my head that goes, what's to tell you that the unit testing wouldn't have gotten rolled back at the same time? Hmm. Like, if my unit tests are gone, I'm at the same level of confidence and still completely wrong. So, um, there was a time there where it felt a little bit like I was making more progress on version control understanding than you were like you were totally crushing me on VR, but I was, I was like, you know, 30 days ahead of you on version control and yay. And the answer is no, not so much. (laughs) Not, well, not so much. I, Still think you are because I'm still very much just using the one line commit and always move forward. Yeah, I'm basically using it like SVN still, which maybe I should just be using SVN. <laughs> it does handle binary a little bit better than Git. So yeah, so that was a little exciting and a little awesome and a little sucky. Um. But yeah, that was that was my big news for the week. Yeah, that does not sound pleasant. No. So what you're using source tree, right? Yeah. So when you are working on a branch and you go into merge it in with the main branch, what does that process look like? Uh you say so you what you select you select the branch that you or the commit that you want to merge into and then you right click on the commit that you want to merge into that one and so you say merge this commit in and i think there's a dialogue that just says kind of are you sure sort of thing i think there's a checkbox in there that says do it quickly so it's not it like does an immediate commit of the merge rather than presenting the merge as something that you still need to do so it's like prepping the merge versus doing the merge um but once you've done it it will generate a statement of all the files that were updated and then at the bottom of that is a thing that says whether there were any conflicts. And the conflicts will tell you, at least in theory, where the 
code that you are merging in is going to uh, intersect with other code that was modified since your branch started. So okay. you've modified it on both branches and now you're merging it in. Um, the problem is that that's at the bottom that FileMaker 16 support merge was 20 modified files. Okay. So it was just a list of files that were being merged in and I went, okay, looks good. Cause I just didn't know to go look because under that list of 20 files was a list of three files that had conflicts. Oh, fun. Um, so what, what was the default behavior you had changes? You had modified those three files in both code bases. Did it keep the ones from the master branch or did it overwrite those changes with what was in your secondary branch? It overwrote with what was in the secondary branch. Okay. Which happened to be spots that had the older code, not the newly modified code. So in those cases, what I really needed to do, and it was really just one file because the other two were like one of them was the um, my XC user state is always modified. And for some reason, my ignore is not working. Yeah. Um, That's a whole different mess. Yeah, that's I've seen that posted to Stack Overflow like 50 times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was basically, I don't know, 10 lines of code that just got pulled out. They just got yanked and it was restored back to the version effectively from like three versions ago, because that's where I had branched off the FileMaker 16 update branch. So I'm sure that there's. Somebody listening to this who knows what the heck is going on with version control, who's screaming at their podcasting device of choice that I'm an idiot. And I grant it totally. (laughs) I am self-taught and badly at that with version control, but Mm -hmm. trying and (sighs) basically my, my use of of version control can be summed up as I have a box of brownie mix and I have put the brownie mix in the box, in the oven, turned the oven on, and left. That's, that's pretty much all I've done. I have got the main ingredient, and it, I'm using it. And uh, as far as I know, brownies are going to come out sometime. Well, I, I would almost characterize that model, because again, it was the same one I was using, which is one and a half to two steps better than zipping your project every couple of hours and just giving it a version number. Mm -hmm. Like that's definitely making a version that you could roll back to. So what you add by using an actual version control system is a commit message. So you know approximately what you were doing then, and you've got some diffs that you can work with. And then you're also getting off-site backup for all of those zips. Yeah. And that's progress. Um, yeah, to me, the off-site thing is the most important. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be more important with Unreal Engine stuff because there's so many assets. But compared to like versioning a FileMaker project, I, I have my business set up in such a way that I can wipe any one of my machines at any time, or all of them at the same time. And 
just restore everything from offline sources. So they like basically I built my company and my tech infrastructure in such a way that this building and everything in it can burn down and I can go to a store, pick up a computer and be back up and running in an hour. Mm-hmm. Just kind of paranoid that way. Yeah. I, I, with my old business, I had that for quite a while up until the point that I got into fiber channel drive raids. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's like, okay, we can totally get the machines back up and running and everything will be cool. We're going to have to find a fiber channel card somewhere, and those are periodically hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Um, But no, this will totally work, I swear. So what else is on your your plate? (laughs) Well, I'm flying out tomorrow afternoon, so I've got my bags mostly packed. Main suitcase is packed. The laptop bag is nearly packed we've got everything on one table um i really have i'm sorry so i i assume you're gonna uh check your desktop computer so you can take your htc vibe with you (laughs) um it's almost tempting because when i was at devcon last year it was basically like a couple of days after the Vive was released. No, no, maybe maybe when it started shipping. But the Vive was released in April. Well, no, no, no. I, I mean when it actually started shipping. There were there were YouTubers with videos about like, ooh, check out this cool thing. But it was people going nuts over the lab. Okay, maybe the, maybe that was just when the lab came out. Um, regardless, um. I was at one of the parties I was at. Somebody had the, their television just running a bunch of YouTuber videos about this Vive thing, mm-hmm. just in the background, just watching people do weird stuff with VR. And it all seemed very alien at the time. Not that it seems a lot less alien when I'm doing it now, but that's yeah. that's secondary. Um. So yeah, I've got basically all, everything packed, everything ready to go. My slides are basically ready to go. Everything's cleaned up and good. I've got my demo stuff ready to go. I want to add one more feature <laughs> to my demo because I, I figured out how to do it. Hold on, a and second. I want it to be there. Hold on, just a second. It, it's currently five ten p.m. Saturday afternoon, and you're getting on a plane when? Um, six fifteen tomorrow. So twenty four hours. And you want to add one more feature to a very complicated database analysis tool? Yes. Why do you think this is a good idea? <laughs> um, because I can. Um, or you could, or you could take the day off. I I could. You know, you're going to be working and talking for the next five days. Yeah, but working on this software is, you know, nice and quiet and at home, and it's me and the dog, and it's not horrible. If I don't do this now, I'm going to end up spending the next 24 hours sitting in a puddle on the couch watching bad television. 
Sounds like a plan. It's definitely a plan. With any luck, in about two or three hours, I'll have this feature ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the odds are that, you know, based on my luck recently, that's not going to be the case, and it'll be eight to ten hours. Hopefully, it's not 24 hours, at which point I roll all the changes back, dump on the version as of right now, onto the laptop for demo purposes. Hopefully, that's not the case. But it's possible. Mm. I know you don't approve, Joe, but I do not. It seems like a great idea. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> then again, I'm my my approach to the development's a bit different to yours, and mainly it's not my approach to development; it's my approach to time and time management. I basically assume that if I have three hours and a three hour task, I don't have time to do it. Right. So any, any three hour task is a tomorrow thing and I'll spend the rest of the day doing all the one hour tasks. Well, I did all of those. Like I said, I packed the bags. I mean, everything's ready to go except for the software. And I just want this one little thing. And I think I can do it. And I've got like 24 hours to do it in. Mm -hmm. We'll find out in a couple weeks. (laughs) That's right, because we're not doing one next week. Yeah, we are off next week, and we will be back with an episode on August 7th. I believe is the day I'll be releasing that. Yeah. So yeah, we will miss next week. We are recording this one a day early in a couple of hours. But uh, other than that, we will be. This is the vacation edition of VR Hermits. My vacation, anyway. And uh, DevCon edition doesn't really have the same ring to it. Particularly when it's a VR podcast. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't I'll have that cachet. Yeah, so I need to figure out what to do with myself for the next four days, aside from playing video games or in addition to playing video games. It's been pretty tempting to jump into A-Frame and start playing around there. (laughs) Joe, that's not vacation. That's definitely not vacation. In a week, you will very, very, very much want to jump into something VR-related. And that's yeah. when you should do that. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. Okay. I've got, uh, I've got 40 or so, 44 games in my HTC Vive that I could be playing. And uh, a couple of PlayStation games and quite a few Steam games. I could also be playing. I don't know if I told you. I having three years as a Mac user allowed me to avoid PC gaming entirely because I had a Mac. And then uh, when I got this Windows machine for VR development, it's like okay, let's start getting some of these titles, start playing some games, which I don't do a lot of because of some RSI issues. I tend to try to conserve my arms for work 
but uh, uh, I picked up Fallout 4, and I've only played like three or four hours of it. But it is just perfect. That game is awesome in every way. Like I've seen way too many people talking about it online the last couple of years, and I've just basically just glossed over everything. Like, nope, this doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Not a thing. Doesn't exist. Just focus on development. And uh, yeah, it's pretty great. I, I basically played until the point where there was like shooting pain up my left arm, and I had to go to bed. <laughs> and I haven't touched it since, but. I think if I can get this for this feature done, I'm going to dig into Everspace. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to play. I haven't had time. I could do that right now and just skip the feature, but I really want the one feature. It's just one feature, yeah. Joe. I can totally make it happen. Yeah. So I think for the time being, I'm going to stick with the more casual games so I don't get roped into anything. I did get uh, Kerbal Space Program. Mm. Which seems pretty fun. Yep, I've got that one on my list too. It's I've got about eight games preloaded on my laptop. Kerbal Space Program, Shadow of Mordor, um, let's see, Factorio, which we know some people who are huge fans of, uh, Torment, Tides of Numenera, Wasteland 2, uh, yeah, I think those are all preloaded. So, and of course, Endless Sky, which is still one of my favorites. Yeah, I don't think I have any games on the Mac aside from like the chess game it shipped with. <laughs> Whatever else is in the games. Yeah, there's a chess game. I think that's it. Have you ever played that chess game? I think once or twice. A buddy of mine spent a couple of months trying to beat it. <laughs> really? Yeah. He could he could never quite beat it. Hmm. Um apparently it's it's relatively good. So certainly better than a casual player. Hmm. A a game disappeared from Steam. Does that happen? I have no idea. What game? It was a game, it was a VR game called Laserbait. Let's see if I can find it in the store. It disappeared from my library. And I was going to talk about it today because it's really fun. Yeah, it's it's a free game. It's in the store. Why is it not in my library? I guess I need to re-add it. Huh. Anyway, it's a, it's a free game by an indie developer. And I played a lot of it about a month ago and it kind of scratches a certain itch for me. Um, I'm a big fan of games like risk Mm -hmm. where you just, you know, very simple game mechanic, try to take over the world. This one is a similar concept, but you're in space and you've got planets and ships and you send ships to take over other planets. It's all very abstract. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, simple shapes and stuff like that. And uh, but it's just really fun to walk around in this environment and just with the motion controllers send ships from one to the other. And uh, I was actually looking for it this afternoon while I was in the headset and couldn't find it because I was going to play that all day. But uh, 
yeah, I would recommend checking that out if you have a chance. Um, I heard this guy on a podcast. I forget which one already. It's hard to keep track. But uh, I was wondering when I first got it, like, why is this free? This is really well polished, really well done. Um, but he released it free with the Unity personal edition. And then when I heard him interview on a podcast, basically the story was he was working for somebody else and um, the agreement with his employer was you can release a, a thing for free, but you can't release anything commercially. Huh. Yeah, and a lot of people are in that kind of situation. <clears throat> I'm looking for the game. I played an iPad version of basically the same game. Are you talking about Strategery? No. That's one of my... It's one, I don't play a lot of iOS games, but that is one of my favorites. It is basically an abstract version of Risk, where you have a map and a board and... You send armies around to take over things. But this is just kind of randomly generated shapes rather than a map of the world. Okay. Um, uh, just a lot of fun. The game I was thinking of is called Galcon. Galcon. Yeah, like Galaxy Conquest or something. Um, it's basically a 2D version of Laser Bait. Okay. Um that I spent some time playing and enjoying. The problem is that that kind of strategy game, I have a tendency to enjoy for about half an hour and then it gets way too hard for me. My, my skills don't grow all that well with time in those kinds of games. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole class of video games and such where I'm better than the, than most other players when they first start and then they get better at the game and I don't. Yeah. So games like this, I can play for years. Like I've been playing strategy for three or four years now without ever getting bored with it. And, uh, this one in particular on the iOS version, it has a, a fast mode where you can just play through very quickly. And it's just like, just like playing chess, you can tell pretty quickly into a game whether or not you're going to win. And uh, so it's not necessarily about winning every match. It's about knowing when to cut your losses and move on to the next one. Like, I I would be playing Risk if they made a decent version of Risk. Right. There, It was something I loved playing on the computer in, like, the early 2000s. And... uh it's one of those games, the board game is pretty much perfect. It doesn't need to change at all. And when they make a computer version of it, they know that. So rather than trying to improve the game, because they know they can't, they just keep adding in crap. They keep adding in more music and animations and sound effects. And just like, all of this needs to go. It doesn't add anything. And it gets really annoying, especially the animations. Like now you're actually just slowing the game down for these stupid animations. I feel that way about almost all animations, but yeah. Yeah. I've definitely been noticing that on the PS4. Like it, it takes me about half a second to press all the buttons I need to, to save a game, but it takes 10 seconds to save a game because you have to wait for all these animations. Yeah. 
Not crazy about it. The ones that drive me nuts are on iOS, where they get the very nice, smooth animations. But while the animations are happening, it's basically just graphics being slid around on the screen. Mm-hmm. They're not clickable. Yeah. So what will end up happening is I will very often lose taps because I'm clicking on something before the animation is finished. If there was a no animation mode, I might turn it on, but only if there was not a mode available that just made all the animations happen 10 times faster. Yeah. Like I'm faster than the iPhone when it comes to these animations 60% of the time. Mm-hmm. And so I end up tapping on something and it doesn't work. And I'm like, Oh crap, tap it again. And that just eats time and enjoyment, satisfaction, things like that. Yeah. Looking yeah. at the strategy game looks pretty neat. Yeah. It's definitely a good one to throw on your phone before you get on the plane. There's a free version and a, I would recommend the paid version myself, but I don't like ads. Yeah, the uh, the nice thing about it, it it works just it works well on a phone, but there's also an iPad version where you can have great big maps and play games that take really long. It's like a small map on the phone could take you you know three or four minutes, or you can have a huge map that may take you an hour. And you can play the large maps on the phone, but it's a lot easier on the iPad. Yeah, aside from games like that, I don't really do a lot of gaming on mobile. One of the things that have kind of bugged me about, I'm listening to all these VR podcasts, and many of them are by people who would describe themselves as hardcore gamers, which Mm -hmm. I don't even like that term very much. (laughs) Um, And there's this certain snarky looking down on people who play mobile games and looking down on the whole concept of mobile games. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking like the whole time growing up, I would have given anything to have a magical device with tons of games on it. Mm -hmm. Like I had, I had a game boy and that was pretty awesome at the time. But if I had an iPhone or an Android phone with dozens and dozens of games on it, I would have taken somebody's head off for that. I don't see that's something to look down on. And I I understand that it's kind of a mobile gaming can be kind of a toxic environment in some in some ways, especially the the freemium stuff. I understand that, but at the same time, there's lots of other stuff out there that is good, and there's lots of games that I used to play that are have been ported and brought forward. Some of them really well, and some of them horrible. Yeah, in any collection of games, any random distribution of games, most of them are junk. The only thing that mobile changed is some of them are junk with really, really high production values. Yeah. But they're junk games. I mean, if you don't want the toxic free-to-play stuff, don't play it. There's, There's more you know, uh, hardcore gamer level games available on a single random mobile device than you could ever properly play in your life. Yeah. Um, you just have to, well, go play those. You know, you're going to pay money for them and they're amazing. Go for it. 
They're different games than you might find on a console because mobile devices still have relatively crappy gamepad support and things like that. But they're just different games. Mm-hmm. So, eh, yeah, whatever. If they yeah. really, really, really want to be miserable, who am I to stop them? So that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at VRHermit underscore Dave. And I'm at VRHermit underscore Joe. Uh, we also have a website, VRHermits.com. If you could, like us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or your podcast player of choice. 